With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 29 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. Unfortunately, um, my partner in crime, Santolki, um, he can't be with us today. He will be coming back to the podcast sooner rather than later. But the show must continue to go on. The West Indies uh, have landed in New Zealand. They've got a big tour ahead of them. And I figured that with a tour ahead of us and some key talking points that have happened in the Caribbean. It was, it was time to release another podcast. And um, I'm honoured today. For once, I'm not the only Jamaican on the podcast. Um, I've, gone, <laughs> I've gone across the world to find some fellow Jamaicans. Uh, we go, we're talking about a lot of Jamaicans on this particular episode. So I felt it was right to, to, to go across the world and um, go across the Atlantic and get some, get some friends on the show. I've got Jerome Foster with me and I've got Garfield Robinson with me. Some of the listeners, you may not know who they are. So I'm going to jump straight to them and ask them to introduce themselves. Jerome, you go first. Tell the listeners who you are and why they should know you. Oh, yeah. I'm Jerome Foster. I'm from Television Jamaica. That's, that group is a part of the Radio Jamaica, Radio Hajar Gleaner Communications Group. Um, so I am one of the lead reporters in terms of covering cricket, as well as I'm a producer for a couple of sports shows on TV as well as radio. Excellent. Brilliant to have you on, Jerome. And uh, I know you're going to be dropping some gems as we get into the topics later on. And um, I've been trying to get this guest on um, for a while. I wrote down in my notes about, I don't know, six months ago, get Garfield on, approach him and get him on. And uh, I'm excited to have Garfield on today. Garfield, let the guests know who you are. Uh, thank you, Marshall. Um, my name is Garfield Robinson. I'm from Jamaica, currently living in Louisiana. Um, I'm a freelance cricket writer. I've been following the sport almost my whole life, ever, ever since I can remember. Um, I read for a few publications, the cricket paper in England, and I do some pieces for Crick Buzz are used to, and a few other publications. I'm also a bee farmer in Jamaica. See, I didn't even know that last part, you know. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, both of you have completely undersold yourself. But, you know, as we as we jump into the episode today, everyone's going to know exactly why um, I both got you on. But you know what? Let's just jump straight into it. Let's jump into it. Every time I do one of these, these podcast episodes, and I always joke with Santoki, I always say to him, West Indies cricket always has some level of madness going on so that every time you do an episode, there's always something to discuss. Um, you mm -hmm. leave it long enough and you're going to get something that has to be discussed. So we'll start with the easy things first. Um, West Indies are, as I said at the top of the show, currently in New Zealand. Half of the squad or maybe three quarters of the squad have landed. Um, the rest are in the IPL at the moment. 
um, ahead of a two-match test series with the Kiwis and three 2020 internationals as well. Um, Jerome and Garfield, before I come to you, for the for the... For the listeners, let me just let them know what the test squad actually is in case they don't know. So this is the announced test squad to tour New Zealand. Jason Holder, captain. Uh, Jermaine Blackwood, Craig Brathwaite, Darren Bravo, Shamar Brooks, John Campbell, Roston Chase, Rakeem Cornwall, Shane Dowrich, Shannon Gabriel, Shimron Hetmeyer, Shamar Holder, Alzari Joseph, Kimo Paul and Kimar Roach. The reserves is a much smaller list than uh, the 12 or so that went to England. Just six on the reserve list for this tour. Nkrumah Bonner, Josh De Silva, Preston McSween, Shane Mosley, Ramon Rifa, uh, and Jaden Seals. Now, <laughs> Jerome, I'm going to come to you first. Let's, mm-hmm. let, let's try and break this squad down. The big headline, first and foremost... Before we get into the, the the recalls for certain players, the big headline for me was hope being dropped. Now, I don't want to talk too much because anybody who, who follows our podcast knows how much I've been ranting about hope in test cricket. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to hand it over to you two. But all I'll say is, for me, this was a long overdue drop. What's your take, Jerome? I think it came a series too late, in my opinion, because based on what he had done, following those twin hundreds, it was almost inevitable that he would have been left out of a squad or important tour. Um, the tour to, to England, I would probably say that because the coach was almost, you can say he was new, but he's not a new person in the role, but mm. he was just feeling himself. He was giving the squad some time and it has been the same squad being around for the last four or three years, the same core nucleus, um, nucleus of players. And based on what he did in England, in terms of the West Indies winning that, famous test match in Headingley, they probably gave him another cricket because of his consistent tours and his production in FIFA cricket as well as the CPL. But to me, there were there were no surprises in terms of who made made up the squad. I, I was I was a little bit shocked that he didn't go as part of the reserve because they would have been um, been able to play a couple of four day matches and playing the four day matches you could probably give him some opportunity to find back that that red ball form that he's missing. For six for the last two years in Test cricket is that is that is droppable offense really. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I, again, I'm not going to interject too much because Garfield, I, I hand over to you. What's your take on the on the hope conundrum? Well, I would have been tempted to take him. I can't quarrel too much that they have dropped him. He just hasn't performed the way he we expect. Um, he's a good player who has a, still has a good future in West Indies cricket, in Test Match cricket, I think. But I don't think he has performed well enough to probably maintain his place, to have his place not questioned. So I, I, I would be tempted to take him, even as a reserve, but I, I can't quarrel that they've dropped him. See, now that's interesting to me because both of you have said, and um, I was reading an article uh, by Clive Lloyd today, um, or um, an interview with Clive Lloyd, and Clive basically, I think it was actually in the Galena, but I could be wrong, but Clive was basically saying that um, Hope should have gone as part of the reserves. And as Jerome, as you were saying, there's going to be a couple of A-team games, which is rare for the West Indies. We were fortunate enough to be able to play uh, New Zealand A whilst the test matches are going on. Now, I take a different view to this because Mm. I think that mentally, it's not about Hope's ability. I think mentally he's gone. So I, I had taken the view that he needed to get away from the international arena completely. If it was... If COVID wasn't here and we weren't in a pandemic, you'd say go and play some regional cricket, play for Barbados, play in the four-day championship, or if that'd be Super 50 right now, uh, just try and get some time in the middle. He doesn't have that, which is why I think some would argue, well, go and play with the A team instead. But I don't know, Jerome, do do you think he should definitely have gone with the A team? I'm still reluctant to believe he should have gone. Oh, it, I was just looking at it on a, on a on the basis of him getting some practice because at this current stage in the Caribbean, I don't think we'll see cricket until probably when another tour is on. When a team comes here, I don't think any regional cricket will be played before before March, April. 
Mm. And for him to be out of competitive cricket for that long, it's going to continuously put him back. And he would have to then get and all of that. I don't think that is good enough. But I understand the point that you probably don't want him to be in another squad or seeing international cricket being played and he's not playing, especially as a damage as a damaged player at this point with his form and his confidence and everything that's happening. But on the flip side, he's one of our better players technically. Mm. He's one of the players who have performed well before all of this um, bad form. So why not try to invest in the talent and find a way? And again, the West Indies don't normally play New Zealand Day because of how far they would have to travel to teams. You normally play against the England Lions or Sri Lanka mm. or India now and then. But to get some more practice against players who would have played um, international cricket, it gives them that amount of opportunity. But again, you can't fault the selectors for not carrying him. I don't, I, I, it probably would be bad precedence if you, if, you, if you drop him and then still have him in and around the test team. Yeah, that see that last point is what I'm is what I'm thinking. I think I and the problem is the lack of regional cricket, as you've correctly pointed out. I think I relate this to Jermaine Blackwood. Blackwood was dropped from the West Indies side. I think before he should have been. I, I actually think his drop was very, very harsh when he got dropped. But Blackwood forced his way back in through sheer weight of runs uh, for Jamaica in regional cricket. So my attitude is just, OK, regional cricket might not come back till March, but the only way back for Hope ultimately is to make so many runs in regional cricket that he has to be. He has to force his way back into the side. And I'm just, I just don't know if you keep him around giving him a sniff when actually the incentive is go and make some runs elsewhere at, at some point in time. Um, Garfield, um, hope notwithstanding, we assume that the like-for-like replacement will fall down to a battle between the returning Darren Bravo uh, and Shimron Hetmeyer. Now, both of those two players declined and they had the right to decline, as did Kimo Paul, to not tour England. Um, I am in England and I can tell you that coronavirus is out of control here so I so I cannot blame them when they didn't want to go but Johnny Graves said that it wouldn't be held against them and all three are back in the test squad now my question to you Garfield is actually this first test versus New Zealand you know hope's gone now so you know that a number three position is available who do you pick Darren Bravo or Shimron Hetmeyer maybe could be Bravo um I have not been satisfied with Hedmeyer the way he has played um, so far in his test career. And I think Bravo would add some steadiness to the top order if he bats up three or, well, three most likely. So my pick would be Bravo. I think Hedmeyer is kind of in the same boat as Hope. Mm. Um, he needs to, I don't know, settle down and, and, and put out bigger price on his wicket. I think he gets out too easily. Too many rash shots in test cricket. So I'd, I'd pick Bravo, who I think is a steadier player. Jerome, the same? Yeah, I think I think it's a straightforward swap for me because it, then you're bringing back somebody who would have scored, what, seven of his 800s away from home. Um, uh, one of his 100s would have been a double 100 at, um, in, in New Zealand. Zealand. Would, mm. I think that was his first test century if I'm not mistaken. But um, I, I thought I would be thinking that the place in the middle order of up for grabs would be between Blackwood and, and Hetmeyer because Blackwood would have taken the place of Hetmeyer because he didn't go to England. Mm. But based on Blackwood's performances in England, there's no way you can drop him because he was a leading run. For me, Shimron will sit out the first test at least or probably both test matches because it's a little or no time to turn around. Mm. Um, Bravo, he's one of my favorite players in the team. Um, you know the, the differences of the field that really I think he lost a lot of time and a lot of his um, good years because of, of off the field dispute with the former president and players association and all of that. But he he's coming back to some form of um, batting form. You saw it in the CPL was hit in the head by Boomerang and had to retire her. You could yeah. see that he was scratching to find back his way in international cricket. And that is going to happen when you're out for two to three years and not playing any form of domestic cricket either mm. in that period. So I, I think it's a straightforward swap with him at number three. And then you would have your, your, Sh- your Shamar books at four because of what he did in England again. Ruston Chase is your permanent five. And then Blackwood would give you that 
power at the in the in the lower order and the captain and, and the and the wicket keeper. Yeah, I mean the, the the rest of the squad essentially writes itself. It really to me is just I'm I'm with both of you. I I I think I like what you said, Garfield. To me, Hetmeyer and Helper in the exact same position. Both of them are super talented. When I when we had uh, Ronnie Sarwan uh, on this podcast uh, um, several months back, he said that based on who he had seen, he put Hetmeyer in his top three most talented players in the region that he's seen come through. But I haven't seen Hetmeyer develop any level of maturity that that suggests mm. he should that he should be a permanent fixture. Um, in a West Indies side and like Cope, I think he has to force his way in. And it's I'm almost glad if he doesn't get picked because he has to develop that hunger to want to get into the side. He he can't be a permanent pick when he's averaging 27 and getting out the same way again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of, speaking of getting out the same way, now we're all Jamaican, but we need to mm. talk about we need to talk about John Campbell here. Because <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I thought John Campbell wouldn't tour. I'm gonna be honest with you, I thought they would drop him. But let me just say, on the flip side to that, I'm glad they didn't. Because John Campbell has had to play England at home, India at home, England away. Now, if they dropped him based on what he did in England. Even though I thought they would, I thought that would have been harsh because so many openers struggle in England with better techniques than John Campbell. Exactly. However, I do think he's in a last chance saloon here in New Zealand. If he gets out in a similar pattern and can't curb his aggressive nature, he will only have himself to blame. Garfield, what's your take on John Campbell? For sure. I think this this is a last chance for him. Um, I've always had a problem with the way he bats, to tell you the truth. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I would have taken him to, to New Zealand. On the flip side of that, there aren't many options in terms of openers. So I think that's why he, 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 retained, he retained his place. But for me, he's, he's, he's too willing to throw his bat outside Austin for me. And that is bound to get him into trouble um, if he goes up, up against good bowlers. Having said that, I read, uh, I saw Critviz, the, the stats guys mm. did something the other day. And they said that since he made his debut, bowlers have bowled better to him than I think any other batsman in the game. So I guess you have to weigh that. So that's in the mix as well. So, I, I, if he doesn't make it, if he doesn't have a good tour, I think this will be it for him, at least for the time being. Mm. I can't see him. I can't see him retaining his place if he has another bad tour. Now, Jerome, I know that you've watched um, the Scorpions. You would have seen Campbell closely in regional cricket. Should I have faith in him, Jerome? Should should I have faith in him? Um, I you could, but it's not as if you're going to be getting big hundreds or or consistent scores from him, even in New Zealand. He's still going to play those um eerie fairy shots outside the off stump. That's the John I know from from high school days still. No, he loves to go at the ball. He wants to feel ball, ball and butt, and he's not going to change his game. He has to me. I, I once spoke to his well, the current coach of the Scorpions, and he. It's almost as if John is somebody who will be batting and if somebody comes on to bowl to him and he doesn't really respect that, that, that bowler, he doesn't see that bowler with a name, he's just trying to just everything at the ball and then get out softly and cheaply. But for him, to be, for him to be dropped after the English series would be very, very harsh. I think that would have been his first real test away from home because mm-hmm. the Afghanistan tour, he got a half century. Yeah. You don't really face quality footballers there. Um, you're going up against Jimmy Anderson, who has almost what 600 wickets before, and then oh, 500 wickets, and 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 Stuart Broad. You have over a thousand test wickets there. That's a lot of that's a lot of wickets there. Um, but he after coming back home, he said that he was learning to come to grips with 
test cricket and being a lot more patient and waiting on the ball and not forcing himself to go at the ball. And he was not balanced at the crease when he was in England. He wasn't steady. His head was all over the place. So he has worked a lot on that in the lockdown after the English tour. So I would like to see how he goes He goes about his business, but it's going to be very, very tough against Saudi and, and, and Bolt. Yep. <laughs> but, but again, there are t- I think in New Zealand, it's always better when you're bad second. If, he, if, he, if he's up early in any of these games, you can probably write off a couple of, a couple of good scores there. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, it's true. It's true that there's no point in me even trying to come with a different argument. It, it, that's mm-hmm. just true. And going from England to New Zealand is almost like going out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, exactly. And and I feel I feel for John. Like as, as you said, Jerome, he's feeling his way into international into, into international cricket, but it's an unforgiving arena. Um, and. Garfield, as you said, is not like the the only reason John got in in the first place is there is no openers dominating the scene. That's and we spoke about Hope and how he deserved a drop. To be honest, if Brathwaite hadn't gone to England, you could have argued that that was deserved as well because he had been struggling for what two years um, in, mm-hmm. in international cricket as well. So we aren't. No matter what, no matter how much of a loyal West Indian fan anybody is, we aren't blessed with batsmen. Um, and you put our top six in any testing conditions in the world, <laughs> and we're going to be 60 for four quite, quite a lot of the time, um, uh, unless the batsmen get, get, get better in their discipline. And But mm-hmm. do you know what? That, that links nicely to a batsman I do want to talk about. So we are fortunate on this tour that because of the nature of the pandemic and how it's all worked and Jerome, as you said earlier on, we would never normally play 18 cricket against New Zealand or in New Zealand due to distance. We are going to be this time and Johnny Grave and uh, Roger Harper, etc., have said that some members of the T20 squad and the players who are in the reserves or the ones who aren't picked for the test squad are going to play two A-team games. Uh, against New Zealand A whilst that test uh, series is going on. That is going to be invaluable. Now, more importantly, there are two players who I am going to be looking at very, very keenly when they get these A-team opportunities. One is Brandon King. Now, I actually think that Brandon was unfortunate and should have been in the test squad before he got into the, the white ball squad because of his season with Guyana um in what last year's cpl that essentially got him into the white ball squad when actually his domestic form for jamaica should really in my opinion have seen him there or thereabouts and in terms of west indies test selection so brandon this is big for brandon it's a chance for him to reassert himself with little domestic cricket available in in um in red ball and then there's also the big debate over a certain nicholas puran and what he can show. So I'm not going to say too much on Nicholas. Um, I'm going to hand over to you first, Garfield. Brandon King and Nicholas Puran, any views on them? Well, I would have been tempted to select Puran in the test squad right now. Mm. Reason is our batting has been so woeful recently. Um, I think Puran is worth the risk. He's so, I mean, he oozes talent. When you see him back, you know that here is a, a good player. I mm-hmm. would have been tempted to include him. I don't think he would have done worse than the guys that are there now. Mm-hmm. And there is a good chance he might just do better. So I, I would have picked him. I think it's worth the risk. Brandon King, I agree with what you said about King. I think he was on track to make the test side. But he had such a good um, CPL last year that he could not have been ignored. So, and that in turn has kind of damaged his test prospects. So, as you said, the A-team games should give us some insight as to how they'll go in tests. Yeah. So, I'm happy for them. Most definitely. Jerome, yeah, yeah, I... before you go on Puran, Jerome, yeah, was. Can you just talk on Brandon mm-hmm. for me? Because again, like like John Campbell, you've seen Brandon come up through the game. 
in, in Jamaica. I think he's a very classy red ball batsman. But talk on Brandon for me first, Jerome. Yeah, I have a lot of time for Brandon. But I, I, I was a little bit surprised, actually. That he actually forces through white ball cricket before ball cricket, based on what he would have done in, in a couple of seasons for the Scorpions. Um, he got a double century, I think, a couple of years ago, um, which I think really set him up as one of the future prospects for the team. Um, but again, since his exploits in the CPL, he hasn't really gotten the opportunity to play a lot of cricket either. I think last season, just completed season, concluded season because it wasn't completed. Um, he, he played at one game. I saw him at Savannah Park. He got a duck and I think he made four in the second innings. And they were just loose shots because he was on the verge of going away, I think, to, to Afghanistan, to the tour mm -hmm. of Afghanistan. So, um, I want, I know people are easy to say that these players are to be thrown into international cricket because of what they have done for a couple of years or whatever. But it's a limited standard at the regional level that some of these players need to play more than a season to really get themselves accustomed to, to red ball cricket and find themselves batting for long periods. Because in international cricket, you can race the 30 of, of 25 balls and then you take another 50 balls to, to get to, to, to another 10 or 15 when when the captains on the field work you out. So you, I, I still believe they need to play a longer version, get more time in the middle, but stay cricket and more for day and more A-team cricket. People like Brandon and Nicholas Puran will always have the option of vying for test spots because I don't think the test spots are sealed and signed at, at any point. It's not a Ben Stokes in the middle order mm -hmm. or, or Joe Root or, or Steve Smith or a Rahani or any of these players in our top six. So once you're consistent and once you can continuously turn out the runs, I think there's no way the selectors can overlook you. And, as, and, and the, 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 the four-day games in New Zealand is a good place to start for, for those players. Most definitely. And um, I, this wasn't originally on my list um, to talk about, but as you were talking, um, uh, Jerome, it kind of entered my head. Again, I read an interview with, uh, is it Junior Bennett, uh, former coach for Jamaica? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, he was talking on the Puran situation and the Brandon King situation. But interestingly, he said, he was basically saying in a roundabout way that the T20 players, that he was talking specifically about the Jamaican ones, need to make a decision as to do they ever want to play Red Bull cricket or Test cricket? And he called a few names, and I wrote a few down here. He called Fabian Allen's name, Sheldon Cottrell, Old Shane Thomas, and Rothman. And he said they need to make a decision as to are they going to exclusively focus on white ball or if they are prepared to play some uh, first-class seasons. His belief is that they have the talent to force themselves into um, the, the West Indies side at some point in the future. Now, the wild card name that, that Junior said to me was Fabian Allen. Because Fabian has played first-class seasons before and he has shown ability. But what I wonder about someone like Fabian is, is it too late? Is the money that he makes from playing all around the world, will we ever get Fabian playing a first-class season ever again? That's for me. Um, I, um, I think Fabian is, what, 25, 26 now. Mm. He's, uh, he's still finding his way into being poster boy in any, in any one of these. I think in at the Patriots, he's, he was their mark, um, franchise player two years ago because he missed this season's um, competition by missing his flight. Mm. Um, I for day for five-day cricket, to be quite honest. He's somebody who can change the tempo of an innings. He's very good. He has a handy left-arm spinners. Um, he's very energetic in the field. And he's, I think he can be a game changer in that format. You can carry him and play him in the subcontinent conditions, knowing that you have good enough batsmen lower down the order for a couple of wickets. But again, I don't think these players, to be quite honest with you, are, are really interested in playing the longest versions. They will say it, but <laughs> when their performances go out on the field, they don't add up to me. That's mm -hmm. just my view. I just don't see it. I don't see the urge. I don't see the passion. I don't see the drive. But they will say that, well, I want to play for the West Indies. I want to play Test cricket. But 
they're, they're never ever available. And whenever they're off, off duty for the West Indies, it's either they are injured, they're not available. Some free. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I don't, I don't see, I don't think he's going to go that route. I, I think Rovman is another good option. But I think out of, out of the four, not the Jamaicans, but out of the four that we have been discussing, I think King and Puran are the likely prospects. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and we, we shall see we shall see how that goes. I'm not going to talk about the 2020 squad. I think that that tour is just some games to be played. Um, just for the listeners, it is notable to say that um, Lendl Simmons and Evan Lewis uh, declined to tour. Um, we believe this was due to they were much like the England tour. They were given the option, uh, and it won't be held against them. Andre Russell. Um, is probably fatigued from um, bubble living. He's declined to tour. Chris Gale is Chris Gale. He can do what he wants. <laughs> and um, and Sunil Narayan's action is under consideration at the moment, so he probably wouldn't want to play in the international cricket. But other than that, the 2020 squad essentially writes itself. Garfield, I'm going to fast forward from New Zealand for a bit and uh, jump to an individual, uh, a Jamaican individual that... Uh, that I am so intrigued to see what you two are going to say about this guy. Um, (laughs) Marlon Samwells. Marlon Samwells. Now, if if you've been hiding under a rock as a cricket fan and you don't know why we would dedicate this next section to Marlon Samwells, uh, Marlon has actually finally announced his retirement from international cricket, and I think actually all forms of cricket possibly. But... um, he made the news in the last few weeks due to his Instagram spat with uh, Ben Stokes. Uh, it caused massive consternation out here in England. People accusing him of racism. Um, ben going straight back at him. And Marlon, Marlon made an embarrassment of himself. However, and I want the listeners to hear this before I hand to Jerome and Garfield. No matter what you say and no matter what you think about Marlon Samwells, I can guarantee one thing. He doesn't care what you think. So with that, with that said, Garfield, Marlon Samwells. Yeah, I, I agree that it doesn't he doesn't care. Um ever since he started playing, he's always well he He's always been very, very combative. He has a very combative nature. From the moment he went to Australia, I don't remember which year, as a 19-year-old, he never took a backward step. He gave as good as he got from Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath. I remember one game, I think he slapped Shane Warne for four and ran down the wicket. He never needed to and, and gave had a few words with Warne. So... That is a part of him, his combative nature. It is the same combative nature that enabled him to play two match winning innings in 2012 um, World Cup, T20 World Cup, and the 2016 T20 World Cup. Um, I think in, in the latter one, he had a few words with the same Ben Stokes as well. Mm. Having said that, I, it was unfortunate that he mentioned he called him white boy. I mentioned something about his wife. I, I, I don't think he should have done that. I think that was uncalled for and unnecessary. And I was going to say, I hope he regrets it. But as I said, I, <laughs> I, I can see Jerome, I can see Jerome laughing. <laughs> Jerome, Marlon Samuels. Yeah, um, I don't think Marlon for one in this world will ever, ever hear what he says. He thinks that his way is always the right way. Um, For me, I think he went overboard because he could have easily said something completely different to Stokes um, that didn't come up as being racist or, or just out of place. I don't think mentioning his wife was necessary. Mm. Um, but again, a couple of folks here in Jamaica who are, who are his loyalists or who will always defend him would say that when, when, yeah, when somebody is against somebody, you don't call their name because then you open up a kind of worm for you to be disrespected. And I just think what, what Stokes was saying was just in jest. It was just saying that even though you are my worst enemy, 
I won't I wouldn't wish something as bad as in this on you. And I don't see anything wrong with that. But I think based on before from 2016, 2015, 2016, he probably just doesn't want to hear anything from Stokes. And then to see Shane Warne calling him an ordinary cricketer and don't don't be an ordinary person, it probably stemmed a little further for him and hurt a little bit more for him. Well I don't think it was I don't think it was in the right place for him to do that at all. Yeah, and and I think that's why I use the word embarrassment. Marlon is a difficult character um, to... He, he I, I want to say he's got defences up, but basically he's, he is his own man. And that's, that's it at the end of the day. Marlon is his own guy. And you can't... I had to try to explain to a lot of people who were sending me messages on Twitter to the, to the podcast handle, and I was saying to them... Marlon won't listen to reason. So it doesn't matter if you say he's done this or he's done that. No one will be able to reason with him and try to make him understand that maybe you shouldn't have done this. So, and now that he's retired, no one can censor him. He'll continue, he'll continue saying exactly what he wants when he wants. The bigger question for me is this, though. Will, okay. I was about to say, will Marlon go down as a great in West Indies cricket? No, he won't. But what I mean is no other... West Indian can say they've got two man of the matches in World Cup finals. So where do we rank Marlon in the context of West Indies cricket? Because you cannot take away the fact that those World Cups would not have been won. Okay, some will say Carlos Brathwaite at the end, but Marlon played the knocks to get West Indies over the line uh, in both finals. So do we say that Marlon wasted his talent? Or do we say, well, actually, given what he did in the World Cups, he fulfilled his talent? Garfield? Yeah, I'm inclined to say he should have done better than he did over his career. Um, he, there's no doubting his talent. You just need to see him play. Um, the two, the two manager match performances in, in the two World Cups were huge achievements that anybody would have been, would be proud of um, to have those in their career. Um, he should have achieved more. He played a few good test innings, a few good one-day innings. I think he should have achieved more. I think those were the two best parts, best moments of his career, the two, the two um, World Cup final innings. But overall, I, I don't think he did as well as he should have given his talent. Jerome, before you answer, the person that I always relate Marlon Samuels to in terms of um, underachieving relative to abilities, Carl Hooper. Carl Hooper was, mm -hmm. to me, was one of the, whenever I watched Carl play, he made the game look easy. easy. Marlon at his best was very similar to that. When Marlon was in full pomp, his stroke play was magnificent. But I, again, I just think unfulfilled talent, Jerome. Yeah, um, I guess that's why he nicknamed himself the Batman at one stage. Um, but <laughs> based on what I would have heard prior to um, in his high school days and what he would have done at that high school level in Jamaica, he was seen as the next greatest thing coming out of the Caribbean. Um, but I think to average 32 and 33 in Test and ODI cricket, I don't think that is good enough. Mm. A combination of what seventeen tests, um, seventeen hundreds across both formats. Um, I would say he underachieved. Um, I think he and he lost a couple. Or what? Um, uh, I think he, based on his talent and the promise that he showed at nineteen, he should have done a lot more. Uh, but his T Twenty knock in 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 Sri Lanka, I think that is, for me, the greatest. T20 international innings. Um, the West Indies were what, 32 for, th for two after 10 overs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you had a lot of spin with Mendes. You had Malinga with two overs to go in that final. At, and 2012 final was also Sri Lanka, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he, he also, he just destroyed Malinga. It, that was like the first time I saw somebody took Malinga apart. I just tore him apart in a, in a game. He single-handedly carried the team to a respectable total, which they eventually defended. So, and he continues to talk about that innings as well as the as the one against England, which Brathwaite did a lot to help him in the end. But the innings in in Sri Lanka easily, the pressure, 
home fans, the world's number one T20 ball at the time, everybody thought that the West Indies was I think would be his best innings outside of the 108 in England, in India, sorry, in the mm. game seven um, ODI match. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Well, I mean, this won't be the last we hear of Marlon. The last I heard, Marlon said that he is releasing a diss track. Um, on Friday. <laughs> on Friday. For Shane Warren and Pierce and Morgan and... Michael Vaughan and, and every, everybody, yeah. everybody. Everybody's getting it in the diss track. So, <laughs> <laughs> so any, anybody who thinks this is over... He's a good DJ, you know. I've, I've listened to some of his... And he's not bad. He's okay. He's, he's he's okay, and obviously, obviously, what is it? Sextillion seventh power. Um, <laughs> so Marlon, Marlon's made his money. Marlon, Marlon is an entrepreneur, dancehall artist. He's doing what he doesn't care. So we can keep talking, and everyone can keep talking. Marlon will keep doing Marlon. Yeah, but they all they look up to him. I think there are a couple. Yeah, you have youngsters who have mm. seen him. In his prime, I would probably want to say that maybe I can learn a lot from him. You wouldn't want to see your role model in the media going on all about certain things in certain ways. That to me is a little bit despicable, to, to be quite honest. I, it just didn't make any sense, especially with how the world is right now, the tension and how polarized the world is with this whole race situation and inequality yeah. and all of that. I don't think it was the right place for him to say certain things, but who am I? And as I said, Michael, he doesn't care. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but no, do, do you know what? I just ending on that though, Jerome. I think you're right to just make that point at the end though about given the state of the world, sometimes whether as an, as a human being, never mind as an athlete or a sports star, whatever it might be, you just got to think beyond yourself a bit and just think what's what contribution am I making to the wider. Uh, the wider sphere and wider community, but you know, we move on. We move on um, <laughs> from from <laughs> from one egotistical individual <laughs> to another. Um, the former president of Cricket West Indies, Dave Cameron, um, announced many months back that he was going to run for the ICC. Uh, chairmanship and when he announced that I was shocked to say the least um I've always been conflicted with Dave in the sense of I have so many negative things to say but he is also a Jamaican that doesn't mean I should have loyalty to him just because he's a Jamaican but he is a Jamaican so there's always been a part of me which is like why is Dave carrying himself like this but that's to one side When Dave said he was running for the ICC chairmanship, I was shocked. I was shocked on many levels, but primarily because the job he had done running Cricket West Indies and the discord that he had left behind when Ricky Skerritt won um, to become the new Cricket West Indies president made me wonder why did he think he had a chance of winning? Now, this isn't about any personal vendetta that I may hold or any personal criticism I may hold towards Dave Cameron. I just want to understand, and I would love Dave to explain to me, why did he think he stood a chance of becoming ICC chairman? Which one of you two wants to touch on this? Uh, I, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> go on, Garfield, go. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I was wondering why he thought he would have been successful. It's not like he had a amicable parting of ways with the with the West Indies cricket, with the, the cricket West Indies, it was almost like a hostile takeover. They were going at each other very hard. So I don't know why he thought that he could get their support to, to, to become ICC chairman. Um, it was, it is very puzzling to me and I don't understand where he thought he was going. I mean, I think you need to get seconded by a board. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't going to get it from the West Indies, where was he going to get it? I it's puzzling to me, like you. I I don't I don't understand it. So before I hand to you, Jerome, because just speaking on that point from Garfield, 
he wasn't going to get it from Cricket West Indies, but he was very, he very up. He was very, very upset when he didn't get it. And again, when he was in the press across the Caribbean complaining about Cricket West Indies not um, backing him, again, I couldn't understand. I couldn't make head nor tail why he thought that they were going to unilaterally get behind him. It, it made no sense to me. Jerome, I, I know that you have interviewed Dave. Um, I heard an interview you did with him, I think this past week, in fact. I think it was you anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, can you make sense of it for me? Because I can't, I can't make sense of it, Jerome. It, yeah, to me, it was a little bit unbelievable, to be quite honest, because these are the same people who you basically tried to disgrace before they, they ousted you. Um, you. You set up the, the, the candidates, you set up the delegates, the voters again. You lost, and then after you lost, you basically said then, maybe Cricket West Indies didn't do what the delegates didn't follow the, what was set out for them or outlined for them to do, which was to vote for me. And a couple of months after that, there was some amount of talk in the talk in the media about both both parties not being on, on equal terms and him even requesting court court um court matters to get to get internal audit. I don't see how you can carry somebody to court and then to get their respect or get their vote about anything. It's just unbelievable to me. And then for him to come in the media following the, the, the Cricket West Indies, not, not supporting him, to say that the media pressured him or the media was against him from 2009 and he did everything in his powers but the media did everything against him and, and fans didn't like him and people did everything to put him against the players and all of that. That to me is a little bit too petty because if if you were doing such a great job, you wouldn't be ousted in the first place. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be having problems with players. There wouldn't be any reason for people to be walking off tours and all of that, which cost the West Indies board millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars to this day. They're still obligating India once India needs a series. It's just, I just don't know where that, that came from. It, it wasn't going to come to any fruit. And it's, it just describes the man, the man that we're talking about. I just think he's a little bit too audacious, in my, in my view. It's just stunning that he really thought that he could have been the ICC chairman after he was rejected by his local, his local um, body. I mean, <sighs> he didn't, in the end, he didn't get any nominations at all. Um, obviously, he's gone in... Sorry, go on, Garfield. I'm saying that, that wasn't surprising. <laughs> Go yeah, on. and I heard I heard him do an interview where, where he said something like he can't understand why they weren't supporting him. He said, I think he mentioned an Indian would support another Indian, an Australian yeah. support another, another Australian. <laughs> you don't support people because of proximity, or you support somebody you think can do the job, and exactly. obviously they wouldn't think he's capable of doing a good job considering his. I mean, even if I just go a tiny bit further into it, what (laughs) one of his ideas that he um, posited about what he would do when he was ICC chairman, he started talking about how the big three has a monopoly, which we all know uh, on world cricket and this, that and the other. But I think I even messaged him on Twitter and said, but you were the same person who, what, six years earlier had said that this deal with the big three is going to save West Indies cricket. And then he had the nerve to, to, yeah. turn, to turn around and say, no, we must break away from the big three. And I, I, I was scratching my head to, to yeah. the point where I had to go and find the, the evidence to be like, no, I know this guy. What's <laughs> the guy who said, <laughs> who was saying this six years ago? And then he went on to say how I think his big idea was, Test cricket is dying and we, we need to basically set up concurrent 2020 leagues and decrease the priority of test cricket. But again, this was the guy who blackballed so many West Indian players. Because they were from, playing T20 because cricket. Because they were playing T20 right, cricket. Right, right. I wasn't so I, I, was wa- I was watching, I was, I was so baffled at what he was saying that... 
even now, as I say it to you both, I can't make sense. Is like you, you have to have a a massive le- you have to be so deluded to to come with these ideas and not think that anybody's going to check the receipts to say but didn't you say this and didn't you say this and weren't you responsible for this and i guess jerome that's why i'm saying to you i can't understand his mentality um yeah it's 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 very very strange and to even put it in more context even the interview that he after was nominated by by a board he went on call the name of journalists who are deceased. I just think that was yeah. a place. Like yeah, that was, that was, that was and, shocking. Shocking. And, yeah, and Tony Cozier would have passed away years ago that they led to his demise as West Indies president. I don't see how that is possible. If you if 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 the people are out of the media, out of mainstream, I don't see the need for you to be calling their names. That's 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 not good government leader. That just shows that you're constantly carrying things around, carrying baggages around, suit your personal gains. And I just I just couldn't understand. And and in, in fact the I I'm glad you said that John because when I saw him reference Tony, similar to what we were saying about Marlon and referencing things, I thought that was I thought that was so disrespectful and distasteful. The absolutely no need. Tony Cozier is one of the most will always be the most respected uh, Caribbean broadcast across the world never mind Caribbean and I just thought if you are carrying that and then you are going to say that for people to listen to you can totally see how he would have been carrying bad mind against players when he was the president if, if you are carrying things like that you can exactly. see how there would have been um, uh, ructions in relationships between players um, and himself sorry Garfield do you wanna, did, did you want to add anything there? Jerome mentioned the word pity, and, and that is really how he operates. He, I found him to be very, very pity, for want of a better word. Mm. Mm. I, I think, um, uh, yes, petty would, uh, it's probably the best word to use to, 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 to sum up the whole six years. Um, but, you know, like I said, that he, he, is, he is lost. I don't know what happens now. Um, maybe i'm trying to think yeah, just, just, just before you yeah just before you continue mm. just going back to the petty the petty situation um as garfield uh, mentioned um i remember phil simon's first interview just before well i think just after he lost just after cam lost mm. the election with andre baptiste in in trinidad he said that simon said i'm not talking because they didn't tell him good morning in the lobby or the lobby of the hotel. And I'm like, how can you be the president of the Cricket West Indies board and a senior player just goes by his business, probably in his zone, focusing on on a game, didn't even realize that you were there. And because he didn't tell you good morning or good afternoon, you're going to tell the coach that he shouldn't be in the squad. (laughs) How, How does that... How does, how does that come into what's happening on the field? That's just personal bias or personal... That has nothing to do with cricket. That cannot be. You can't have somebody like that who is in charge of your cricket that because he doesn't respect you as a leader. means he shouldn't be on the field. So if Ben Stokes doesn't talk to Giles Clark or, who is, or Ashley Giles, who is the director, no. that means he shouldn't be on the team, even though he's their best player. That's, that's how he's looking at things. Mm-hmm. It cannot be. Yeah, 100%. I mean, ultimately, he has failed. Um, I don't know where he goes from here. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dave turn up in Jamaican politics at some point in time. I would assume. <laughs> I would assume that's the next step um, because his ego's too big to just be in the background somewhere. Yeah. So politics to me would be the next thing uh, I, I expect him to venture to venture into. Um you know, we, we, we've been at it for, for quite some time. So let's just let's let's bring it to a close with this very last thing, chaps. And we don't need to we don't need to make this one a long one. Um, before we before we press record, I said I don't know if I'd talk about this, but let, let's end on this one. Um, the IPL is currently ongoing. They're finally, after about a month and a half, reached the, um, uh, the they're about to start the semi-final stages. Um Chris Gale's uh, Kings Eleven side did not make the semi-final, but Gale, um, at 41 years old, um, was left out of the first, I think, five games, maybe even more, maybe first six. He got caught a bout of uh, illness as well. 
Over the last seven games that he did play, he averaged over 40. Strike rate was over 140. This guy is 41 years old. And yet still, I'm not saying he's the best in the world, but what he has done in this IPL is he has solidified, once again, that when it comes to this format of cricket, there will never be a bigger star than him in this in this format of cricket. His longevity has to be respected. Even if you don't like Chris Gell, the, 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 the longevity and ability to still produce must be respected. We are approximately just under a year away from the 2021 World Cup, which will now be in India due to the Australian one being cancelled uh, due to the pandemic. Simple question I'm going to put to both of you. Does Chris Gell go to the World Cup at the age of 42 next year? Mm. <laughs> so whichever one of you wants to go first. Who, who wants to write off the universe yeah, first? Come on, Darby, can go first. <laughs> I, have, I have to confess that I have written off Chris Gale a few times. And he's made me my words every time. So... With that, I'm not going to write him off again. <laughs> he, he did better than I thought he would have in the IPL. So I think if he's playing, if he's in this kind of form, when they meet to choose the, the World Cup squad, I think his name would have to be mentioned. I don't know if he ultimately gets a place, but he deserve to be in the conversation, I think. Um, there is nobody like him in, in the shortest format, so I, 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 I don't even know. Um, as you said, he'll be 42. He, that should be, he should be long past oh. his bit. But on the evidence of what we just saw in the IPL, he, who, who can say he doesn't deserve a place? Listen, I think <laughs> I think Chris is still as hungry as he ever was, but more so when he thinks he's got something to prove. He's still as prove, hungry as yes. he ever was. That he knows that everyone had written yeah. him off for this IPL. Um, Jerome, what what would you say on the universe, boss? I think he's a sure go. Um, I think prior to. <laughs> Even before the IPL, I would have been a member based on the responses to questions posed to, to, the, to the head coach as well as the chairman of selectors before, before the pandemic, when they took over. Um, I think Chris, he, he hasn't, as he's continuously said over the last couple of months, that he hasn't, got, he hasn't gotten this, the, the, the sort of respect that he needs or, or he's ought to based on his volume of work. And, I, and even the way how the Jamaica Tala was dealt with him mm. this year, I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't respect the, the approach that they took. People can say it's a business decision or quote-unquote cricket decision. It could never be a cricket decision based on what we're seeing in, in the UAE or what we saw in the UAE. But I think it's, it's Chris and Evan at the top of the innings with, with Lendl as a, as a, as a backup opener. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I, well, either way, it's a fight out between those three. There's nothing to say that all three of them won't play, you know. Because remember, for Chris mm. Chris came in at three for this tournament, which is which that's that, that's unheard of for Chris to not be opening. So yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily even have to mean that Chris faces faces up. I think I think Evan is a definite. Um mm. but yeah, no, that's gonna but, it's gonna be an interesting gun. Go sorry. Yeah, I yeah, the, and the dynamic of the West Indies team as well. I don't think they need they don't need Chris to play every game because mm, you have mm. Pura and you have Hetmeyer, you have Robman, you have Pollard, you have a lot of players who have the quality to destroy an attack or take away a game. Um, even young Rutherford and Kimo Paul who don't really get a lot of games, but you have enough players in and around the Caribbean who are good enough to perform for the Windies. But you can just rotate gear for the crunch games and so on. You yeah. Keep him fresh and hungry. Good point, good point. So Go something, you mentioned, something you mentioned, Marshall. I've thought for some time now that he they should move him from the opening position and bat him at three or four. I think you get more out of him that way. Um, with him not having to face the new ball, I think his chances of survival are better. And once he survives, he, he can do a lot of damage. So I, 
I would forget about him opening and playing lower down in the other, like they're doing now in, in the IPL, or like they did. Because, mm. and yeah, to be quite honest, I am not even a fan of him batting outside of, of the poor place because I think he's, he's way too destructive not to be batting in the poor place. But in the IPL, I really understand and appreciate him batting there because then he could disrupt the use of spinners and so on. But in Australia, I wouldn't want him to be batting outside of the, the power play. But in India, he could. He could. He could. Yeah, most definitely. Gentlemen, it's, it's, it, was, it was what I expected it to be. I was so glad to have you both on, you know. Glad to, to touch base with you both and chew the fat over the latest news in the Caribbean. Um, just wanted to say thank you both for coming on. Uh, hopefully this isn't the last time you come on. Now you've been on once, you know that you're going to have to come back again. When I, when I, when I reach out again in the future and say, come on, yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to both come back on again. But um, bless up, bless up. It's been good. It's been good. Any last words, Garfield and Jerome? Well, um, I'm looking forward to the New Zealand tour. Um, I don't think we'll... I'm talking about the test series. Mm. I think our batting is too is not good enough for us to win there. But I'm looking forward to see how 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 well they go. I think our bowling is should be quite adequate. Um but we haven't won in New Zealand for a very, very long time. And I don't expect this mm. side to win there. Yeah, um I don't think we have won since what ninety five or so I think that was with yeah. Richard Richardson. Um I, 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 to be just to, to put this out there, I'm a New Zealand fan as well. Fan as well. I'm not really, I'm a West Indies supporter, but I, my second team is like New Zealand. I like to watch them play. Um, the whole they fight for each other and all of that. It, it's good to view. But I just want to see the West Indies competing. I know people have been saying that from what 1995 as well that they just want to see the West Indies competing again. But, but I just want to see how this new class of players continue to try and win test matches. Just to have that feeling of winning away from home until they can put together a good series together. And then they will continue to win series or start to win series away from home. I don't see them winning. I don't think New Zealand have lost a, a test series at home since 2013. And that is a long, long time ago. So let's see you how it goes. But I ex- yeah, I, I just expect I would just want to see a um, couple of players coming to the floor. I would love to see John getting 100, to be quite honest, to get some pressure off him. Yeah, and I mean, I said it before England, so I'll say it before New Zealand. We're not going to win. Um, I would I, I would just be glad to see us. If we could take New Zealand to five days in both test matches and compete, believe it or not, even if it ended 2-0, that's some kind of progress. New Zealand are an extremely difficult side to beat in their own conditions. India were humiliated by New Zealand um, yeah. last year. So the, the idea that we can go to, to New Zealand and suddenly beat them is, uh, I think that's wishful thinking. Um, but what we can do is try and be competitive. And I think Garfield, you're right. Bowling wise, I'm not worried. I think we've got a bowling attack to be competitive. It's the batting, um, which is why we started with his name at the top. And I think I will end with him now, which is why the recall of Bravo was probably so crucial because at the end of the day, in terms of players available to us, he's the one with the most international experience in foreign conditions and, re- and reproduces on a regular basis. In foreign conditions. Yeah. yeah, in foreign conditions. So hopefully, it's a big if, but hopefully the reintroduction of an informed Bravo can actually add some level of stability. Um, to that batting lineup. And if you, mm-hmm. if you compare the New Zealand's top six with ours, or top seven with ours, I think um, I think Bravo averages something like thirty nine, almost forty. Mm. A, a few others are averaging in the thirties. For New Zealand, I think everybody in the top six, probably apart from Nichols, I think. Averages 39 or something like that. Mm. Well, all of them average over 40. Williams, Williamson averages over 50. Um, Rastila averages 47 or something like that. It's it's a mismatch. Exactly. They perform above 
what we think they how we think they they do better than how, how we think they will. Mm, most definitely. Gents, I'm gonna call it there. Um brilliant show. Really like I say, really glad that you've both been able to come on and contribute. To those who have been listening, that's been episode 29 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. We will be back and we'll be back soon because the tour. Um, the first matches start very, very soon. But uh, thank you to Garfield. Thank you to Jerome. And thank you to all the listeners, wherever you may be. Thank you and good night. Mm-hmm.